0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I've sort of lost track of time. Once again, it's Friday, August 21st. And uh, we are recapping, we're finishing up what we are calling Nerd Week. It's been mostly analytical, but now we're going to take a nerd approach to film study with our good friend and uh, longtime pal, Andy Benoit. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, I have to remember, you're recording the video on this, aren't you?
0: Yes, that's right. So don't pick your <laughs> nose or anything. Yeah, and I just people, I pick
1: my eye, but that's acceptable. But I it's, I need to keep my hands down near my keyboard here.
0: No, 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 no. You can flail around and do whatever you want. It's so it's going on just the Pick Six podcast YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and I'm it's it. We got people can subscribe. It'd be great. Go to YouTube.com/slash Pick Six. It's not going to be seen by 14 million people. So you'll be
1: okay. Well, no, unless like, I, unless I do something terrible.
0: Right. That's right. Unless yeah. you say something that causes like I don't know. Uh, let's say like, uh, Amy Poehler and, uh, yeah. next, <laughs> next topic, Brinson. Really? They brought back really just for you. It's crazy. It's an all-time crazy. Anyway, uh, by the way, this is gonna be a short show today for those that listen. Sometimes, you know, we run like 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, normally we would like to take, uh, take more time to talk to Andy, but my son, Robbie lost his first tooth at his uh, school pod and it was lost in the yard. And so I had to go pick him up because my wife is getting a Chromebook. Bob, blah, blah. like, this is very Brinson of me to have lots of excuses, but I had to, I got back here late. I'm probably a little sweaty because I walked to school like an idiot. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to make it short and sweet. So let's dive right in. Uh, you know, there's a team we haven't talked about a lot, uh, leading up to the season, but I saw you tweeting about the running back that they acquired, Todd Gurley, the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm curious, Andy, with all the hype that the Buccaneers are getting and with all the, you know, the Saints, they get, they get propped up. I mean, they're considered yeah. the three best teams in football, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers are, I don't know. That'd be something. Uh, where, where do you think the Falcons fall in the hierarchy relative to the Buccaneers and Saints of the NFC South? And is it, is it possible that Atlanta can actually have a, a successful season for once?
1: I think that's entirely possible. Nobody really noticed Atlanta went six and two down the stretch last sure. year and it wasn't like they were playing the, the teams picking in the top 10 in the draft. They did 49ers. They beat the Niners. They were a handful for the Saints. It was extremely impressive, a great commentary on Dan Quinn and how those players view and respect him on a team that got better within its system and then a team that smartly, I think, tweaked parts of its system. And a lot was made about Raheem Morris taking over some of the defensive play, calling duties in pass situations. Jeff Olbrick, their linebackers coach, handled more of the run defense an unusual in-season coaching change or adjustment, and it it worked really well for them. So now what you have is a team with a very defined scheme. I always like that. I don't know if it's because it makes my job a little bit easier. (laughs) Uh, I know. I think it makes their job easier, though. Thomas Dimitroff, their GM, you know, he knows what he's looking for when he's taking players. He knows what they want in a cornerback. They know what they want at linebacker. Speed's a big deal. They're looking for pass rushers. They need to get better there. They get Dante Fowler. You know, there's a plan in place, and it's a plan they've followed before, and it's a plan that's worked for them in the past. And I think offensively, I don't see a weakness. If the offensive line stays healthy, I don't see a weakness along the offensive line or the offense altogether. I mean, I don't know where it would be other than maybe that guy you mentioned, Todd. You know, I don't know where Gurley is. But, you know, their system's not built on a running back. They need someone who will execute the designs.
0: Okay, so I have one big beef with the Falcons, and it's that they keep harping on this 11 first-round picks on offense. Yeah. When it's like, okay, that's technically true if you run out in your three-wide receiver set with Laquan Treadwell and Todd is uh-huh. in the backfield. I think my actual concern with the Falcons would be their depth, because if Gurley isn't healthy or isn't good or gets hurt. If something happens to Julio Jones or even Calvin Ridley, there's a, there's a pretty big drop off on the depth. Maybe it feels like more so than, than other teams. And we saw it last year too, the offensive line when those rookies got hurt and they were still rookies. Yeah. We don't know how they're going to play this year. When those guys got hurt, Matt Ryan didn't have any time. That's, it feels a little bit house of cards from that sense.
1: Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I think that's probably fair. It's, you know, that first round pick thing, Remember when you were growing up and you played Madden and you do franchise mode and cause you're a kid, you take names. They start adding pretend players from the games, but you take the names you know. And at the end, you've got this dream team of 55 year old guys. That's a little bit how this is. I agree. I agree with you here. It's not, it's not the most talented lineup in the NFL. It's certainly a plus talent. It's a better than average lineup, but you're right. There's not a lot of depth there. Um, the offensive line, You know, Chris Lindstrom, we don't know what he is. He's a first-round pick a year ago. He barely played. Caleb McGarry – he got hurt. That's why he barely played. Right. uh, At right guard. And then Caleb McGarry at right tackle has a lot of room to grow. Now, he did show some of that growth as a rookie. uh, But that's really the key right there. You do wonder a little bit, though, Will – you know Alex Mack was not quite himself a year ago and mm-hmm. they know that they drafted Matt Hennessy in the 3rd round to eventually supplant Mack it doesn't mean Mack can't play but you know he's not the Alex Mack we've come to know and and i i would argue that Jake Matthews needs to be a more consistent left tackle for this line to really maximize what it is they do and what it is they do. They want to be an outside zone running team. So it starts with athleticism, cohesiveness, outside zone, like what you see with the Rams of 49ers a lot of the time, everybody firing off the ball in unison in one direction. You run play action off of that. That's kind of, that's, that's the identity they want to be. Now they're not as married to that scheme as, as other teams are, but what I'm getting at is if their offensive line is just merely average, that's not good enough for this team. They need their offensive line to perform at a certain level for the offense to succeed. They're a little bit dependent on the line in that sense.
0: Mm. That's concerning with the youth and the injuries. And and like you said, Mac taking a step back, I feel like Atlanta has a chance to be a little bit like the Cowboys in the sense that we could see them scoring. I mean, 35 points a game (laughs) just because maybe the defense won't, you know, take that leap forward, or or you know, be yeah. Uh, uh, like it's we've never seen a Dan Quinn defense be consistent over the full course of a season, so that would be at least a red flag for me. Although you know, maybe the the Raheem Morris defensive core. I mean, maybe Raheem Morris needs to look as a head coach.
1: Yeah, it's it's possible. He, it's it's you're funny so how
0: long when he took over the Bucks,
1: and nobody remembers that either. Nobody He's, says anything about it. He was like thirty. Who when I want to it happened? Yeah. Yeah, he was I mean he was he's still a young coach now and it yeah. was 10 years ago. So he's a smart coach. He's worked on both sides of the ball at a high level. He's he's worked the offensive passing game side and the defensive side. Um yeah, I I'm a little surprised you don't at least hear the conversation about him more because he got that shot in Tampa Bay it wasn't the longest shot in the world. And, and then people kind of moved on and, f- and forgot about him. And, and at least from the head coaching standpoint, I think he's pretty well regarded within the NFL. Yeah. Uh, all
0: right. Let's stay in the division because I am curious what you think as someone who studies schemes and, and, and quarterback play and the implementation of offenses, how you think the cohesion of Bruce Arians and Tom Brady will function because I think there is a sense that, I mean, and it's not an unfair sense, that Bruce Arians likes the no-risk-it-no-biscuit guys. Tom yep. Brady is not a no-risk-it-no-biscuit guy. Now, I think he's a better downfield passer than people give him credit for, but, you know, he, I mean, he predicates his basically his entire career on short passes and, you know, taking some shots occasionally, but, you know, being accurate and not, not turnovers. Like, Bill Belichick is not a no-risk-it-no-biscuit guy. How do you think that offense will work with Tom Brady, and what will it look like?
1: It'll be a lot of fun to see. So as soon as Brady went to Tampa, the, the first thing I was wondering about is, is it going to be Brady's offense and the Bucks adjust yeah. to him, which is not unreasonable, or will it be Brady adjusting to Bruce Arians? And very clearly, from what everybody has said, we'll see once the once they start playing and we see this on film, but very clearly it appears that it's Brady adjusting to Bruce Arians. So Bruce Arians, you said no risk it, no biscuit. What do we mean by that? For one, it's the deepest passing offense in the NFL. And it's not the—it's not when you're hawking the ball 45 yards downfield. That's not what we mean by a deep passing offense. Those are deep throws, yes, but it's when you're dropping back and you're hitting your timing and rhythm throws at 15 to 20 yards, those really difficult velocity throws. Um, those 12-yard passes are now 15- and 16-yard passes, essentially, in Bruce Arian's offense. There are a lot of throws that attack the field numbers area. So not only are you throwing a little bit deeper, but you're throwing wider on the field. So the ball's traveling a long ways. Uh, you get more one-on-one coverage scenarios out there, and it's a more difficult throw. It takes some arm strength. I do think Brady has the arm still. Hmm. His arm has always been better than people really. Nobody talks about it. You no, know, What's interesting, Will's. we all agree Tom Brady's the greatest, and the six rings makes it easy for people to agree with that. If you ask someone why is he like, what are his attributes or what's defined him? Someone will say, "Oh, he's a smart player," and that's true. Yeah. But that you could any any fool could guess that and be right. It's why, of course, he's a smart player. I don't think people really look at the attributes in Brady's game very much. His arm has always been better than people realize, even though he does run this dink and dunk offense a lot of the time. Um, What Brady understands better than most QBs is not – we think about finding the guy who's open, but when you understand who's not going to be open and you can see a guy not open before he's not open – You become a very efficient underneath passer. And that's what Brady's always done well, which so there's, that's one. The other thing is Brady's a tremendous pocket mover, his mobility within the pocket. Yeah. It's phenomenal. He he and Breeze are the two guys for that of their era. So those couple of things, assuming the arm is still there. And I don't know why. I mean, he's 43. So maybe it disappears
0: one day. Yeah. but, But, but avocados. So. Yeah. We, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Avocado, right. Frozen avocados. Um. You know, let's assume it's still there because we thought it disappeared five years ago and it hasn't. He can make the throws. The pocket mobility, I think, will serve him well as long as the offensive line plays well. They put a lot of pressure on their O-line because what so part B of what makes Arian so aggressive is, all right, part A is we're throwing downfield. Part B, we often get everybody out in routes. Five guys out in routes, which means one-on-one pass blocking in a lot of scenarios. So we're asking more of our QB to throw deep. We're asking more of our linemen to block, and we're asking more of our receivers to get deep and, and make those more difficult catches, so to speak. So it's an aggressive offense in that sense. But I think Brady has the attributes still to run it well. And the the one year we did see him do something like this. in uh, 2007. Uh, well, yeah, okay, you're right. Two years. I, you know, it's almost honest to goodness. I, I'm not being quiet. I almost think of t- there's two different Tom Brady's. There's the yeah, one from when really you three, and, di- it's three different Tom Brady's, really. And they're all Hall of Famers, by the way. <laughs> but it's, uh, um, the right of the recent Brady, the iteration that we have now of Brady right. 20. I was gonna say 2017 was the yeah. one year he did throw very deep, and the numbers kind of back that up apparently as well. I'm not a big average time-to-throw guy, because I think that's a misleading stat in a lot of scenarios. But that was his year for holding the ball the longest. They went to the Super Bowl. They had a good chance to beat Philadelphia. He was great from within the pocket at making throws late in the down in a crowded pocket downfield. That's ultimately what Bruce Arians will ask you to do, because no matter how good your linemen are, you're going to have some crowded pockets uh, when, you're, when you're playing late in the down, when you're running these deeper dropbacks, these deeper throws, you're going to have to make throws with bodies around you. Brady's always done that well in his career. Now it's been in a system he's comfortable with. I'll say two things that kind of contradict what I'm saying, just so we're talking concepts. One is, is going back and watching all of James Winston's interceptions last year, a, a lot of them were on him, Obviously. But there was a lot of, there were a lot of cases where the offensive line and poor pass protection really factored in. Mm. And then I watched all of the first and second down sacks in the, in the whole league last year and the Buccaneers led the league in bad pass blocking on first and second down sacks. So that offensive line does have to play a lot better than it did a year. I think it's a talented line. It has to play a lot better than it was. That's number one. Number two is when Brady is less than perfect because he's not even the greatest of all time. He's not perfect every snap. Uh, when he's less than perfect, he tends to rush himself in the pocket and get, I don't want to say spooked because that, that's too strong, but let's say he gets a little spooked. He starts anticipating pressure and he'll play a little fast. Yeah. That's a problem in this offense. So it's, it's not a guarantee that it's going to work. I think it will, but you know, if you're a defense, you want to get Brady playing fast. I'd blitz him early on because at least then you're taking away the timing of those deep dropbacks and making him kind of react to you.
0: I really like the Saints in Week One. I think they're like three and a half point favorites or something like that. But I think just like it's this—it's hard anyway for a for a quarterback like Tom Brady to leave and go somewhere new and get on the same page as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and he's got Gronk there. But it's—it's hard anyway. It's gonna be even harder in this (laughs) offseason. And like remember now, Peyton Manning's a little different because in 2012 he went to Denver and he was coming off those neck surgeries. So like there's some physical. Uh, adjustments that he had to make as well, but that uh, that initial couple of games with Denver, he didn't come out and light the world on fire. It was sort of like a eh, better than we thought, but maybe if this is Peyton, then it's not. You know, something like I think we could see a yeah. little bit of that from Brady early on.
1: Well, and Manning, they were adjusting to him that year, so they were yeah. building the offense around him. So it's it's flipped in that scenario. But I, I I'm with you. We've seen this before. If Peyton Peyton Manning has done this. It went well. We've seen other QBs. You know, Brett Favre, I guess, was probably successful. Would you say in Minnesota for a year or two there? Absolutely. Now the yeah. Jet,
0: the Jets thing, he was like, good for a couple of games, then it fell off the cliff. Yeah. So
1: I mean, it'll be fun to see. It it'll be you know I the whole legacy. You want to see him stay with one team. This is this is really entertaining when when they don't, and I know we're not talking.
0: It does feel Andy a little bit though, like we could all the world, we could all be in like a simulation right now, like a Matrix style simulation, and they're going to shut it off, and we'll wake back up to reality, and there won't have been a pandemic, and and Tom (laughs) Brady will still be on the Patriots. Like like that's what doesn't make the Tom Brady the Patriots thing or the to the Bucks quite as weird, because it's in the context of like murder hornets and coronavirus. Yeah, what are Tom Brady to changed teams? Like whatever. Like it doesn't feel that insane, you know. Yeah, it's, in a normal year, it might be even weirder. Well, when so
1: when they take the field in week one, what do you think if people if someone woke up from a coma in week one, and they saw Tom Brady for the Buccaneers taking the field? Do you think that would strike them as weird, or would the the vacant stadium strike them as weird? Which one I mean, would get your is, attention?
0: That's a great point. Like somebody wakes up and they're like. Okay. Like so what, yeah, what, what is, and Tom Brady's playing, they're just firing off cannons in an empty Raymond James stadium. And Tom you think Brady's, they'll fire the cannons for scores? I mean, the Buccaneers fire those. I think so. Yeah.
1: They do. Yeah. They'll, they fire those for a second down and two conversion. <laughs> but, right. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. They, the other one I was wondering about is, is will the Chiefs, I guess they have like 22% capacity if it goes well. So they'll have some fans there. Are they raising the banner then with, with That's weird. fans? Yeah. I think, yeah. Happens. I don't know how the, you, ha- why well, we, we talked about on, uh, I was talking with someone the other day. Do the, what if you, Would it be the ultimate flex move to not raise the banner and see if you can raise two of them next year?
0: Ooh, that would be sick. So, in other words, like you just try to run it back and then you put up like 2019, 2020 champs uh, at the start of 2020. No one,
1: no one has ever – I guarantee no one's ever done that in the history of sports. <laughs> it's into, would you do it one at a time? Would you crank one up and then you know, we cheer and then we do the other? Or would you bring them both out together – I like that. Maybe, maybe you go win them first, though, is what or they would what say. you
0: do is you raise the 2019 banner inside of Arrowhead Stadium. And then you go and get like the Royal Stadium and put a whole thing of Chiefs fans in the Royal Stadium. And you raise the other banner there and then transport it over to Arrowhead. And so you have like a <laughs> double stadium. Like it's all happening. It's like, and then you put it one on one jumper trying to one on the other. All right. This is not, it, it, anyway, we're getting. Yep. And well, it's my oh, fault.
1: I, I brought it up. It's, no, no, no. Tangents, tangents
0: are welcome and good here. And you know that. Um, the Patriots lost Tom Brady. They have gained Cam Newton. It appears that Cam Newton, and we were recording this on Thursday afternoon, August 20th, the latest reports out of camp are that Cam has been the best quarterback for the Patriots so far. Bill Belichick did not dismiss the idea that he would run a multiple quarterback system. Um, how do you, how do you, do you think he would actually trot Stidham and Cam out there, like an alternating series and or what will the offense look like if Cam Newton is the, is the, in fact the starter?
1: Well, so it, it means nothing that Belichick said that because. Cam Newton is so different than Hoyer, who I don't think is going to be the guy, but Hoyer and Stidham, let's put them together. You're going to run one offense with those guys, a different offense with Newton. Bill Belichick's smart enough to know that it's in his best interest to make their week one opponent have to account for the possibility of both offenses. I wouldn't, I mean, honestly, I don't know if, if I'd be surprised if the Patriots didn't even announce the starting QB until the day of the game, if they can get away huh. with that. I mean, I, I saw Boise State do that once when I was a kid. Nobody knew the starting QB until the game. And then when they got to the game, they announced both guys in the lineup and wouldn't even tell you until the, the first snap was taken. Who was, who was, who were the quarterbacks? Do you remember? It was, um, one was Mike Stafford, who I think is now the OC of Stanford or some place. He's a, he's a coach. Oh, Notre Dame. He was at Notre Dame for a while. You're looking it up. Um, and then the other one was a, uh, a, I want to say a freshman, maybe, uh, I don't know if it was Kellen Moore quite yet. I'd have been Kellen Moore. Yeah. Anyway, I don't remember. Um, but here's what we're, here's where and we, we saw: done.
0: Chris Leak and Tim Tebow do it. I guess that's kind of a comp. Although obviously Did they she... play
1: together, though, like they yeah, they yeah. wound up was... switching off. It was actually they were the co-starters to us essentially, weren't they?
0: Leak would start, and, then, and it was sort of like an like a nod to Leak, who's the, the veteran guy, the older guy. Like Urban didn't want to yank him out of there, and they would put bring in Tebow for series and packages and stuff like that.
1: Gotcha. And look, it's it's not beyond Belichick to do something like that. I'd be surprised if you do for for. Two reasons. One is you have such limited practice time. Are you installing two different offenses because you have to do that to maximize Newton, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second? And then number two is with such limited practice, is there enough reps to get two guys ready to be starting QBs who are who were not on the field last year? I can't imagine you would do that way. You're going to pick one of those guys. I think what Belichick decided was this: he looks around and says, "All right, who? It's it's a passing league. We all see that. It's a nickel defense league. That's how everybody plays." The 49ers play base and ran the ball all over everybody and had play action and, and killed base defenses. The Titans did that with Derrick Henry. Um, the Packers, to some extent, not as big of an extent, but they're kind of run-oriented. They get to the NFC Championship. The best team for most of the season was Baltimore, who had the most prolific run game in history last year. The teams that can run the ball, not just run the ball, but run the ball uniquely, right now they have a huge advantage because the league is set up to stop passing offenses. So Belichick probably sees, all right, it's a weird offseason. We can kind of trust that most teams are going to be what they were a year ago. It's probably going to remain a passing league. And if we have a mobile QB and one like Newton, who's not just he's not mobile in the sense that he scrambles, he's mobile like a running back is he'll run the ball Power, bar, he he power running back. Yeah, that, and that's what he is. He does not even scramble hardly at all. I bet they'll let him this year. I bet he'll be encouraged to but you know that he's a unique weapon. Whether he can still play or not, you know, that's a discussion. But if you have him on the field, he's a unique weapon that defenses are unaccustomed to seeing. And right now, I think Belichick feels a run game can maybe have some hidden value and we can sneak one out this year. We can, we can get to nine and seven or 10 and six. Now that was, you know, they made that decision before they knew that Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung were opting out. So I would say they've gone from a talented defense, a, certainly a stingy defense, to I think one that's really full of question marks, probably the least talented front seven in the NFL, maybe the most talented secondary still. So, you know, is that good enough? But I think that's the plan overall is if Newton's in there, we're going to be a unique Run heavy offense because Newton is not a timing and rhythm precision passer. So he's, he's not who you want if you're going to be dinking and dunking and playing on schedule and getting seven yard hook routes all game. That's not his style. That's what you'll do with Jared Stidham. So Newton's here for a very specific reason. And if they feel like it won't work for whatever reason, I, I, I think Newton will be, someone said the other day they could see him being the third stringer. I understand what you mean by that because stylistically Hoyer fits to Stidham or vice sure. versa. So we'll see. I think, I think I mean, Newton will be the guy though. I think they're going to go. Newton.
0: I, I think my, my buddy Adam Gold said, and I agree with him, but, he, but I, I just credit him with the first phrasing of this. He thinks, he said, Newton is either the starter or he gets cut. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like I don't it's know totally that can, unless if can, or he's on pop or something like that. Like, Cam Newton is not sitting behind Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Well, cause of, that's,
1: that's a lot of, it's, then it gets a to lot news. of attention. A lot of attention. And does that matter to you? Belichick, obviously he, he stiff arms the media and it's worked for him. Does he do that because he obviously minimizes distractions. Does he believe the media can influence or play a role here? Because there are teams that believe the media is such a big deal and all the pressure that we don't want to have a backup, a big name backup QB. Why, why would we do that That's and couldn't get a job? Like, I mean, what are correct. The, yeah. I'm sure half the league sees him as a starter or nothing at all. He's just right. so unique. He's a big personality. Not every team knows him. So they're taking a guess when they do that. I will remember, remember though, against uh, the Texans in the Thursday night game about three, four years ago, it was, I think his year Brady was suspended. So 2016, yep. uh, Jacoby Brissett was a starter for that one week. He came out as two weeks.
0: No, well, no, because it was the week before was the Dolphins and uh-huh. Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. Yep. That came in for him and then they had to start him and they used a ton of RPOs.
1: That's what I'm getting at. Also, they did these RPOs, these read option. So we've seen this before.
0: Jacoby Brissett's not even fast. Like he's,
1: No, he's, he's not. Really he's, really he's faster than run. he looks, but he's not a guy you're building your run game around the way you would Cam Newton. The point is, New England was able to do that on a short week. I'm sure they practiced it a little bit because they knew Brady'd be suspended. But you know, it's, it's 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 not impossible for them maybe to install this on the fly. I don't know. Then it gets into how you teach it. You can only run what your players know how to run, though. <laughs>
0: well, and, and I mean, McDaniel's ran you know the same sort. Of, he wanted to do the same sort of thing with Tim Tebow. I, mean, I think you could even argue that the Patriots pro- might have wanted to go to a running quarterback like Cam Newton. Or even Lamar Jackson sooner, but th- like Tom Brady just stuck around forever. You know, like they might have made that pivot five years ago. If yeah, Tom that's Brady a good had, point. You know, it'd,
1: it'd be interesting if they had if Brady had left on normal on a normal time frame. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what kind of QB the Patriots would have a, would have gone after.
0: Right. Although one could still argue you could have drafted Lamar Jackson anyway instead of Sonny Michelle, regardless of the situation. Like even if, uh, yeah, you could Even if you have Kyler Murray on your team or like, or I, I don't know, like, even if you have Patrick Mahomes, like you could still draft Lamar Jackson. It's okay. You don't have to take the running back. Well, um, and
1: uh, Not to prolong this, but, uh, you mentioned Michelle, you know, they've invested Michelle in a first round pick, Burkhead, James White. Those are their, probably their three best players outside of Edelman. We're talking skill position. Yeah. All the more reason to be a run oriented team.
0: Well, sure. and Damien Harris is flashing in camp too. People, he's catching balls and he's, he's running well. And I saw him go to the sixth round of a fantasy draft
1: today. All right.
0: Say his name again. Who did Damian you? Damian Harris. Out of, that's uh, the third-round third, third round pick out of Alabama last year.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, he he was not on the field last year.
0: No, no he didn't play at all. He went, yeah, no, yeah. he didn't play at all, yeah. So they have White, yeah. Burkhead. Uh, yeah, I got you, Yeah, okay. See, if they, if they
1: don't get on the field, I don't know who they I mean, I know who they are, but it's – You watch yeah, the Patriots, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damian Harris uh, could be the out of nowhere guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They'll be very Patriots-esque of them for like – like he he wasn't on anybody's radar two months ago at all. Right, and I got Lamar Miller too. I
1: see. as well, I don't yeah. know if that'll that'll hold up. Look, tell me what is the difference between Lamar Miller and Sony Michelle? I mean, they're slightly different. Right? I don't see how Lamar Miller makes this roster though.
0: Uh, so he's he's Lamar Miller is less injured and a little bit faster.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Possibly, maybe, I mean, mate last, last we saw him, Miller hasn't been on the field in a while.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right, you've got a meeting to go to.
1: I, I have to do. go see if my
0: son's lost any more teeth. Um It was short, it was sweet, but I can't let the people look at your beard next to my beard much longer because they're going to be like, "Well,
1: mine's not." You know, mine looks better on screen, but it's gotten years. I can tell thickens and comes together as mine grows. The hairs start, you know, like 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 segregating from one another, and they start curling and going in a different directions. So my face is about to look very fat and round. Years will get sharper as it goes along. So you've got the better beard. Mine might look okay right now on camera, but mine needs some attention.
0: I, Mine needs a little bit of a trim too. I, I essentially grew the beard to avoid losing weight. Like rather than lose <laughs> weight, I grew the beard. So it's like, easy
1: okay, to I'm, fit you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I grew a beard. I saw a, a, a kind of a heftier guy was my waiter downtown when I was 19 years old. I said, wow, that guy's got the sharpest jawline I've ever seen. <laughs> my deep. younger sister laughed and said, it's the beard. Two weeks later, I showed up with a beard, and she called me. You know, call, are you trying to be the, the, the waiter now. Embarrassed <laughs> me for it, but I haven't shaved since, basically.
0: That's incredible. Uh, well, yeah. It looks great, Andy. Uh, Missed talking to you as always. Great to talk to you. Great to catch up with you. Hope everything's well, and uh, be good, man. All right. Thanks, Will. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul,